It is certainly good to be in the Lord's house today, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Now, we're going to spend some time, so you want to keep your finger there in Genesis. I'm going to read one verse, and then I'll skip over to Psalms 127. In Genesis chapter 2, God sets for us the model for the home. It has been my practice for a number of years when we have Mother's Day or Father's Day, I would preach on the home. I think you will agree with me that the home as an institution is under serious attack today. This is what God says in verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother And be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Then they may turn to Psalms 127. Now, this is a metaphor. It says here in the first verse, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. And then in verse 3 it says, children are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. The family and the home is important to you and to me. I think you realize that the home is not just a place where we live, it's not just where we get our mail or park our car, but it is a place in our hearts. And what touches the home touches us. I have heard it said, and I believe, that the home is the source of our greatest joy and our deepest sorrow. I read this by Robert Frost. He said, home is the place that where When you have to go there, they have to take you in. And I believe that's true. You and I have witnessed, for those of us who are of a certain age, that in the last 50 years there has been a seismic shift in what we call the family or we call the home. Perhaps our homes have never been like they were portrayed and the TV series, The Father Knows Best, or Leave It to Be Beaver. But way down deep, I think we understand that something is happening in our society that is seeking to redefine literally what a home is. I believe that the home is under satanic attack. Now, it's coming from a lot of secular sources, But I believe that the enemy knows if he can attack and destroy the home, he can destroy the society. I believe the home is the basic building block of a good, stable society. Some of the problems that we're having today in the increase in lawlessness, and it's not only happening in Chicago and Illinois, uh, Los Angeles or New York, you can understand we're beginning to hear more of lawlessness in our own community. 
and you trace it back and you will discover that a lot of problems are rooted in the problems of the home. And so today I want us to focus on three simple truths. First of all, who created the home? And secondly, the present condition that we see in the home. And if we have time, how can we care for the home? Recently, I have spent some considerable time in the book of Genesis. Now, in the first verse of the first chapter of Genesis, it says, In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Now, the Hebrew word Elohim, which we translate God, really means the one who creates. In the beginning, the one who creates created the heavens and the earth. Let me say to you that with all of my heart, I do not believe that you and I evolved from some protoplasmic mud mass five billion years ago. I take that we have the Word of God, and in the beginning, now I don't know how long ago that was, but in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And then in the same chapter, and I want you to look there if you have a copy of the Word of God, and it says in verse 26, then God said, listen to this, then God said, let us make man in our image. Let's pause right there. To whom do you believe God is referring to when he said, let us make man in our image? Folks, he's talking about the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that you and I are the crown of God's creation. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them, them rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the air uh, and the stock and over the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so in the next verse, listen to this. So God created man in his image, and in the image of God, he created him, now get this, male and female. Now, you have a decision to make, and I have a decision to make. I can believe the junk that's being perpetrated on society that comes from the secularists about you can't define what a man is or a woman is. In fact, I was watching TV. This really happened. I'm not, I'm not speaking in hyperbole here. I'm telling you the truth. I was watching some Senate hearing or congressional hearing, and one of the government representatives was interviewing somebody that was up for nomination to be a federal judge. And the man or the woman asked, can you define what a woman is and that nominee for the federal judge could not define what a woman was and then on another occasion someone else was being interviewed for a federal judgeship 
and whoever was doing the interview saying, can you tell me, yes or no, can a man have children? And the person who is the nominee would not answer that question. Now, folks, you can be educated and stupid at the same time. And what we have in the world today and in our community and in America, we're having a group of people who do not take the fact that you can define what a man is and a woman is. But God says, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him male and female. Isn't that pretty simple? And up until about 40 years ago, it was pretty simple. You had a male and you had a female. And now we're beginning to have this fluid, nebulous, indefensible kind of concept that everything is who I say I am. If I decide by next Sunday I'm a woman, you're going to have a woman in the pulpit. (laughs) Folks, we've lost our brains in this country. And we're in serious need. And I believe with all of my heart that what is happening is a direct frontal attack from Satan. And then the final verse, the one that I read, God, I believe, defines what a home is, what a marriage is. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. It is interesting to me that at the very beginning of what we call the biblical revelation, Genesis is the first book, and God gave priority for two things, to define what a man is, what a woman is, and what a home is. He said, we're going to create man in our image, and in the image of God, he created male and female. And then he says, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Folks, God in his infinite wisdom knows better what a woman is and what a man is and what a home is than all the politicians put together. And we're under attack today. And we need to understand that we have not read far in the scriptures until God sets that priority. And then in other places, not just in uh, Psalms 127, where it says that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. But you also know in Ephesians 5 and 6, Paul gives instructions about the home and how that we as men ought to love our wives as Christ loved the church. You see, in the heart of God, the home is important. And the home is important to you. Your home really is where your heart is. It has to do with where we share our joys and our sorrows and where we can meet together and we weep together and we laugh together and because the home is at the very heart of who we are. So let me be sure that you understand that in the first point, in terms of who created the home, God himself, Elohim, 
is both the author and the architect of the home. He created the home and he gives us instructions about the, what the home ought to be. Folks, we're living in a time that this kind of preaching is considered intolerant. If there would be certain people that were here today, they would say, that preacher is narrow-minded. That preacher is intolerant. That preacher is, is a bigot. But all I have tried to do is to use the Bible as the plumb line, the Bible as the model that we go by. And look what's happening when the model departs from the model of Scripture. No wonder we have so many young people are confused. No wonder that you have people being nominated to judgeships that cannot define what a woman is and what a man is. And that is the reason the home today is in serious trouble. And so let me move quickly to the second point. The present condition of the home. The home, the family, the children, the institution of marriage, I believe you'll agree, is under attack. And by the way, you remember in the Garden of Eden, God says in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 3, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. Now I want you to think about that. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts that the Lord has made. Now the word crafty is one has the idea of the ability to deceive, the, 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 the ability to twist the truth. And that is precisely when Satan came to Adam and Eve. You remember God said to Adam and Eve, you shall have dominion over the whole garden, but there is one tree that is off limits. Have you ever wondered why God just said, there's one tree that's off limits? I'll tell you. You see, he wanted us to learn to live under certain restrictions, that we were not to step over the line on those conditions that God sets. That's the reason, by the way, he gave us the Ten Commandments. That it's wrong to steal, it's wrong to murder, it's wrong to covet, it's wrong to commit adultery. Those same things is God is saying there are certain things that are right and there are certain things that are wrong and it behooves us to go by what God says and not what man thinks. And so... The beast came, or, or, or the serpent came, because God says, don't eat of the tree that leads to uh, life. God said that that's off limits. And then Satan said, God really did not mean that. And folks, that's what's happening today. And a lot of things the devil is saying to people in the church God did not really mean that. Well, yes, he did. It is still wrong to commit adultery. It is still wrong to murder. It is still wrong to covet. And you say, well, now, preacher, that's too narrow-minded. We're living in a sophisticated age, and, and you're being a little narrow-minded, and you're, believe, you're being intolerant. 
We, we need to be, you know, God loves us all. Folks, he loves us all, but we need to live under his authority. And it would be a better community, wouldn't it, if everybody went by the Ten Commandments. Why, well, you'd have the, the people who have uh, the security services, they'd go out of business. We wouldn't have to lock our doors. I was listening to some program the other day, and they were talking about San Francisco and, and, and in San Francisco, they said that just nearly everybody that parks their car downtown has it broken into. And now they are telling you, leave your windows down and tell people there's nothing in the car so they won't break out. They, they assume that they're going to break into your car if you park your car in San Francisco. What's happening in America? We're being told that God really did not mean that. And I'll tell you another issue, and I'm not going to charge you anything extra for this. <clears throat> In the last 60 years, we've killed 50 million babies under the name of abortion. And now they call it woman's health care. And I understand, and folks, I've dealt with people who have gone through that experience. And God can forgive but I want you to know that we as a nation, when in 1973 the Supreme Court ruled it was all right to kill a baby in the womb. Life is sacred, and we have no right to touch that. If I had time, and I don't have time, I'm running a little late, but in Psalms 139, the psalmist said this. Let me just read it here. Psalms 139, if you don't believe that life is sacred, listen to this. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heavens, you are there. And then listen to what he says. He said, for you created my inmost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. The psalmist said this, God you knitted me together in my mother's womb. That means that God has a hand in the creation of life. And we're so glib with it. And I have friends and I have members of my distant family who call it women's health care. And I know that there are certain issues involved here. But folks, most abortions have to do they simply don't want to bother with having a child. And we're going to stand before God. Y'all probably won't let me come back next week, but that's all right. I'm retired. <laughs> and then the psalmist said in verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Folks, God made us. And then he says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Folks, life is sacred. The home is under attack. Life is under attack. They're even talking in some quarters that, you know, it's all right to people get old and decrepit like me. Just give them a shot and let them die. Life is sacred. I visited a man yesterday of, friend of mine, and he and I are almost the same age, and his dear wife called, and I'm no longer her pastor, but I was her pastor, and 
she knew that I loved them, and she said, my, my, my husband is near death. And I drove out into the county, and there that friend of mine, he's 11 months older than me, and he was having a problem, and he would stop breathing, then he'd start breathing. And any moment now, I expect to get a phone call, and she asked me before I left, will you do his memorial service? But that precious man in that bed, life is precious. God is the creator of life. Folks, the home is under attack, and we need to understand that. The devil is crafty. Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he targets the home. You see, he came to Jesus when Jesus was hungry. Jesus had fasted for a long time and he was hungry and thirsty. And it was to the point of his, his weakness in the flesh that the devil said, if you will do certain things, I'll, you can make this bread, these stones be turned into bread. Why? Because our Lord was hungry. And folks, he attacks us in our weakest point. My time is about gone, but let me say, the facts of the, are in. The facts are that, did you know that in the home today that we're under attack, but the problem is that we're not willing to admit that we have an enemy who's seeking to destroy our home, and we see it happening in our country today. Let me, I, I, I came across a book many, many, many years ago. It was written in 1980, and the writer was a man whose name was Alan uh, Toffler, Alvin Toffler, and he called it the third wave. Now, the first wave that 150 years ago, 150 years ago, we were an agricultural society. You know that. Most people were farmers, 150. Then we had the industrial wave, and that's when we had factories that made textiles and cars. The third wave, and that's the title of his book, is technology. And, and, and he said that in the year 2000, we're 23 years beyond the year 2000. And the third wave was technology, and he says, when the third wave gets here, that's technology, the digital. You know, the cell phones, that's a part of it. He says our value systems will splinter and crash while, now listen, while the lifeboat of the family and the church and the states are hurled madly about. That's prophetic. The fact is, in the digital age, the institution of family and church and even the state talking about the nation. And I'm not going to get into the problems at the border. But you see, they are trying to redefine what our nation is. Folks, I want to be kind and loving, but we can't take care of the whole world. There are things that as a nation... One of the reasons I believe God has blessed America is because we try to be a God-fearing, preaching the gospel kind of nation. And I know it's Mother's Day, and I know I don't have much time, but 
I want to tell you, folks, our young people are being indoctrinated. I don't know about what's happening in Franklin County, but I know in, in Northern Virginia, without the, uh, without the approval of the parents, they were teaching children in elementary school that it's all right to have two men to be married and two women to be married or everything in between. Folks, I wouldn't want my little children taught that. And see, if parents aren't aware of it, they have that opportunity to teach our children what is absolutely contrary to the Word of God. I believe we're in serious condition. That is the condition of the home. And I know my time is gone, but I must say this. We who are the God, people of God, we who fear God, there are a couple of things I want to leave with you. A couple of things I want to leave with you. First of all, as Christians, as parents and grandparents, if you believe in prayer, we need to be praying for our children and our grandchildren. Folks, it, it, it's, it's not easy for your precious children and grandchildren to grow up in this day and age. You and I grew up in a time where, you know, it was, it was kind of the thing to do to go to the God's house and worship. Maybe our children or grandchildren didn't always believe everything we believe, but we, we grew up in kind of a, a Christian environment. That is no longer true. It's secular today. And if you know how to pray, you need to pray that your children will not be deceived because the devil is crafty. He is the deceiver. And he will be taught, that child, that grandson, that granddaughter, or that child who is your child, they will be taught those things that are absolutely contrary to the Word of God. And so we need to be praying parents. And I, and I understand. We pray. I, I, I pray for my, my, my family. You pray for your family. But one of the things that we need to pray is that the devil will not deceive them. And then finally, and I'm closing... We need to try to be good examples as we live the Christian life. Folks, we need to be serious about the Lord. We need to be serious about what God says in His Word. I don't, I don't want to be unkind, but I, I, don't, I don't care what politicians think. I don't care what some of these judges think, but I do care what God thinks. And we need to go by the Word of God. If there's any hope for America, it will be because we return to the biblical truths in His Word. It was Dr. Billy Graham's precious godly wife, Ruth Graham. He says, if God does not judge America, God will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Folks, we are living in serious times. As a parent, as a grandparent, pray for those precious children. Pray that they will not be deceived. Pray that they will have a heart. And then finally, try to live before them a consistent Christian life. Oh, I know I'm a sinner. I fail, you fail, we all fail. But we need to be serious about those things that count for eternity. Amen. Let us pray.
Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it's, to be honest with you, Father, in today's environment, some of the things that have been said would have been labeled hate speech and divisive and un-American. But God, I pray that we would be brave enough and strong enough to stay true to the Word of God. We may not agree on everything, Lord, but we do agree that you have something to say about the home and about children, how they should be reared. Lord, we pray that you would bless this church as they look for a new pastor. And I make this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.